Hey guys, this is the episode with Tola, my mental coach, and it's really, really good. Like, uh, we, we had to record it one time, and then the recording was so bad, so we had to redo the whole episode. But lucky for me, the episode got even better, so I'm so happy about the result. Um, uh, Sola was... Di- Sola. <laughs> I'm also mumbling in the beginning of the podcast, don't worry, I'm okay. But Tola... Tola uh, was a little bit sick, be- or actually was very sick before the recordings, and he got a lot better now. But uh, sometimes he's like just stopping; uh, he's he's muting himself to cough. So if you feel like there are sometimes a little bit longer break than there would usually be, it's just because he's coughing and then he's coming back. So don't worry. Um, uh, I think like no matter who you are, there is an advice for you in this episode. Um, you will definitely be able to resonate with at least one thing, if not multiple. But as we say in the end, uh, if you go away from this episode and you do just one of these things, like if you start just like with very small steps to do one of these things, you already um, made a huge change for yourself. And I hope you will do that because I hope, I mean, if you want to, develop and become better you have to start you have you it's not enough to just listen to this you can listen from now on and and the next 10 years but if you don't go and execute it doesn't really matter so i hope you will take action also uh enjoy the episode as i say (laughs) i mumbled right in the beginning so i don't even know how i pronounced his name but it's so wrong but but his name is tola and yeah Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, I'm here yeah. with my mental talk. <laughs> hey guys, I'm here with my mental coach, Tola Ogunleve, and I'm really looking forward to this episode. Um, Tola, can you introduce yourself shortly? Uh, so aside from being Kami's mental coach, like she has mentioned, I kind of wear, I kind of wear many hats. Um, so um, as she said, my name is Tola Ogunleve. I am a sports lawyer, first and foremost, and then I'm a sports performance coach. So basically, I help athletes master the mental, the physical, and the business aspects of sports because I truly believe that it's a combination of all these three that truly allows the athlete achieve their potential. You need to master the mental game because a large part of sports is the mental game. But if you have the mental game and you don't have the physical game to go with it, you can only go as far. Then, of course, sports is a business. You know, you're signing with a team, you're, you know, joining a particular franchise, whichever one it is. There's the business aspect for you to consider. So a mastery of all these three are exceptionally key for you as an athlete to fulfill your true potential. So in a nutshell, that's Tola Ogunle. <laughs> nice. Thank you so much. Um, Tola, the first question, it can be a bit tricky because I know there's always someone who's standing out and not like everyone else, but... I would just like to hear your personal opinion. Do you think it's possible to become a successful athlete without practicing uh, a performance mentality? Mm, so I, I kind of like touched on it a little bit, you know, like when I did that intro. It's it's virtually impossible, especially at the highest level. And, and let me tell you why. Because you see, when it gets to a certain level in sports, everybody, right, in terms of the physical abilities that they have, they're almost at par, Right. So if you go to the NBA, everybody is six feet and above. If you're six feet tall in the NBA, you're short, right? So you have all these guys who are six, 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 seven, six, eight. Everybody's tall. So you can't go in there and say, oh, because I'm tall, I'm going to stand out, right? Even the guys that are seven feet, they still get run for their money. So they push them really hard, right? If you weigh 230 pounds or 260 pounds, right? You have other guys who also weigh that. So the point I'm making is this, that when you get to a certain level in your sports, every single person has the same physical qualities that you have. If it's not the same, it's not that different. If you look at the 100 meters, for example, right, there is no 100 meter race ever. So whether that's the Olympics, whether that's the world championships, right, where the gap between the first and the second is one second, not possible, right? It's always one one hundred of a second. So if you look at Usain Bolt's, um, what do you call it, world record. So the, the 100 meter world record currently is 9.58 meters, by 9.58 seconds, right? The person that came second in that race 
ran 9.69, right? The guy that was third ran 9.7 something. So that is one one hundred of a second. So what it means is that everybody at that level is fast, right? What is then going to set you apart is your mental game. And when we talk about the mental game, what were we talking about? Controlling your emotions when they matter the most, right? Dealing with anxiety, your ability to handle pressure. You get to the 100 meters final. There are millions of people watching you all around the world. Can you keep your emotions in check, right? Can you believe in yourself that what has gotten you to where you are now can also push you further or that you can do something different to get the result that you want? So it's almost impossible because it's a different ball game from when you were playing your sport when you were seven year old and 10 year old, right? The yeah. gap in physical qualities at that point is so wide because everybody develops differently, right? You see, you see a 10 year old and you're asking them, are you really 10 years old? Like you look like you're 15, right? Then you will see another 15 year old. You'd be like, are you really 15 years old? You look like you're 10. So at that age, right? The gap in the physical quality is so wide. So the mental game doesn't really come into play. But when you get to the highest levels of sports, you your world championships, your Olympics, you know, any major event, that physical quality cannot be what separates you. It then has to be the mental game. Nice. I love this answer. And it also reminds me that, uh, you know, sometimes you beat the world record, but you still get the silver medal. So yeah, so right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Tola, I want everyone to, who listens to this to resonate with it from the beginning. And that's why I would like to hear uh, from your standpoint, you're working with a lot of young athletes, especially from a lot of different sports. So what are these athletes struggling with the most? Can you mention some of the things that, are, that you're hearing the most? Hmm. So the, um, you know, that's, that, that, that's a good question for relatability and, you know, for athletes, you know, that look, depending on what they are struggling with, they are not the only one in the world who is struggling with that thing. So the first thing that I would say stands out, you know, from all the athletes that I work with is transferring, right? Their ability to perform in training when there's little or no pressure to game or match situations when there is now that little added pressure. So basically what I'm saying is taking your performance from training into the game when it matters the most. Now you're going to see some coaches, right? Especially in the team sports who continually pick certain players to play particular games. And you're going to see the fans, right? Who would always question, why do you keep picking this player? Because he never delivers on the biggest stage. And what this coach will say is that this player is the best player in training like literally if only you could come behind the scenes to see this player perform see that they're literally the best but when it comes time to then perform to then play they are not able to deliver so that's the that's the biggest thing that i've seen is the struggle with athletes because i mean i get athletes i've had athletes who have told me you know Tola, i want to work with you you know I, i believe that you can take my game to the next level and i'm like okay no problem i'll come watch you play right I come watch them play and it's more or less like a letdown in the sense that I'm like, man, you just, you just brought me out for nothing. Right. And they would always say, right. 90% of the time that I don't know what went wrong. Like you need to see me when I was practicing, you need to see me in training. But the point that I always tell them is when we got to the match, the actual match that mattered, you did not deliver, you know, so, And that's the biggest thing that I've always seen, or that's the biggest thing that I see, is taking your ability to train well and putting it into a game situation the same way, if not more. And you see, this is not just um, something that an athlete can look over. And it's because they've looked over it for so long. That's why when it gets to the stage that matters, it then becomes a big problem. You know, so uh, you've never been to the world championship before. You now get to the world championship. You're supposed to deliver. Everything comes crashing down. Why? You begin to ask yourself questions. But then again, it's going to take you another qualifying process, another couple of years to get back to the world championships. And, you know, everything kind of changes from there. So that's the biggest struggle I would say that this athlete struggle with. That makes sense because that's also when it's the clearest. Because I, I would say, like, if we look at it, 
people always say like the training should be like the competition and the competition should be like the training right yes but you don't necessarily realize what's happening at the training or you just don't feel the pressure Mm. So when you are performing, that's when it's the most clear that you are not dealing very well with the situation. But can we then dig a bit deeper into this? Because I can just tell from a personal standpoint, and I've talked with other people who experience the same, but definitely not everyone is experiencing, experiencing this. But for myself, actually, sometimes I can get like almost a blackout, like I'm not on the mats, even though I was there, I don't remember what happened. Mm. And um can you tell me how this is uh for other athletes like or actually my question should be different can you tell me or can we dig deeper into this so why can they not perform when they have done all of this practice they can do perfectly in practice what what's going on there what's happening mm-hmm. so there, there are a couple of key factors and you know this is this is where the the attention right or how specific or how particular the athlete is about their sport, this is where it comes in, right? So you know how when you're training, it's all fun and games, Mm -hmm. right? You are are having fun, you're playing around, you're jesting, right? And then when it comes to the game, you don't see anybody laughing, right? You don't see anybody jesting. Everybody is like, it's business-like. So it always gets to that point for the athlete where, when you are training, right? Yes, you acknowledge that this is a less pressurized situation, right? But it's up to you to then, as much as your ability would allow you to not forget, this is not how it would be when it comes to the competition itself, right? So yes, we want you to be relaxed in training, but the same way you are relaxed in training, we want you to be able to be relaxed when it comes time to perform. But obviously, because of the occasion, because of what is at stake, because of the people that are watching, because of the results you are trying to achieve. Don't don't forget that when you are practicing, when you are training, there there isn't necessarily a result that you're trying to achieve. Yes, you're trying to get better, right? Yes, you're trying to improve on your craft, but it's not like you're saying in training, I want to come first, right? In training, you're trying to improve. So you're trying to improve on this particular thing, or you're trying to improve on this particular thing. But when it then gets to the competition itself, you're trying to win. I'm trying to come first, right? I'm trying to qualify for the next round. At that point, it's no longer a maybe situation, right? You are now in the in the big leagues, so to speak. So the first thing that athletes can do, right, is to always realize, right, and always have it at the back of your mind, even when you are practicing, that how can I ensure that this my practice, as much as is practicable, replicates a game day or a match day situation, right? Replicate a game day or a match day situation. So you will see coaches who they would not train. So maybe the the couple of training sessions before the World Championships or before a critical match, they would not train in an empty stadium because they want to mimic the noise that the fans would make, how loud the opposition crowd would be, like how the things would be in on that game day, right? In that specific situation, how would things be? They try to mimic it. When we talk about pressure, how can I infuse some sort of pressure into my players, right? That kind of tells them that this is not an ordinary training situation. We're trying to mimic game day. So those are two things that you can try now. The other thing that you can try is to make steady progressions, right? In the way that you practice. So if, for example, the first level of your practice, right, is to just practice without any expectations, nothing particular, right? The next level of your practice is to then practice with pressure, right, to be as specific as possible. The next level of your practice is to then practice when you're tired, Mm. right? Yeah. So maybe towards the end of the training session, when you're tired, you kick things into the next gear. So practicing when you're tired as well, because obviously... When you get to the game day, when you get to the match, your, your, your emotions, right? Because of how tense you will be, your muscles are going to be tight, right? It's not going to be as free when you were training. If you had practiced a lot when you were tired, at the point where you almost were going to give up, you are going to be almost ready for that type of zero. So these are just some examples that athletes can use in order to try as much as possible to take the way they perform 
into trading. Obviously, there are many other tactics, and it would depend on the particular athlete. So how that athlete is, what they enjoy, what their temperament is like, you know, their, their attitude and so many of those things. But these are like general examples of things they can try. Nice. I just want to say for the for the point fighters out there who are listening that, for example, like a very basic example of this can be to actually practice when you do the sparring on the mats that we will fight on at the championships. So actually yeah. doing the seven times seven and you practice with exits. So you cannot step out of the mat and not get a minus mm-hmm. point because that's exactly. the real case scenario. And if you need the voices from the stadium, put put just any fight from YouTube on your speaker and you can just make yep. it as loud as you want and yeah, it will replicate it very it. well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what was the last thing you said? Um, uh, when you're tired. In terms of, yeah. Yes, yes. Because like, I, I'm pretty sure everyone felt this, but at the tournaments, it's never the same. We drive, mm-hmm. I don't know, 10 hours to get there. We sleep deprived. We sleep in shitty hotels. It's just not the same. We don't eat our normal breakfast. So yeah, True. the body is just ugh, so tired. So uh, this is really <laughs> good advice, Tola. <laughs> okay. Um, so I got some specific questions from, from people on Instagram. And uh, there is one who would like to know, what do you do if you're having trouble focusing on your fight? If you lose your concentration or your focus, what do you do? So this is this is also a classic case of where focus comes in and being where your feet are. So there's something in um, sports psychology, you know, mental performance, which is for the athletes, right, being in the present moment. So you would always find out, and you know, this is something that we have also discussed and we have tried to work on that. There's always the opportunity for you as an athlete, right, to think into the future, right. So you have a particular fight that is currently ongoing and you are thinking what if i win the fight and i get to the next round what happens who would i face how popular would i be um what would this do for my reputation um how would i be able to capitalize on it don't forget that you are in the middle of a fight right at the same time you could also possibly be thinking what happens if i lose what happens if things go wrong what happens if maybe i get injured right? What happens if I don't meet up to expectations, right? All of those moments, what that is telling you is that you're not in the present moment. There's also the ability for the athlete to look backwards, right? Where you're now looking at your preparation. Did I do everything I was supposed to do to prepare? Did I do everything I was supposed to do to get to this present moment where I truly believe that I can win this fight? I can win this game. I can win this race, right? So in both of those moments, either when you're looking back, when you're looking forward, you are not being in the present moment. And the only things that would distract you, right, as an athlete, is either looking forward or looking back. In the present moment, if there's anything that would distract you in the present moment, it has to be something tactical, right? So your ability to think or change your plans in the middle of the fight or in the middle of the match, oh, my opponent does this, Now, let me do this. That doesn't necessarily distract you because you are actually working on solving the problem in the present moment. So the problem that you're faced with. So you see, for the athletes, is to always remind yourself at every point in time that this happens. When you're thinking about the past in terms of my preparation, can you change that now? The answer is no, right? You are already in the middle of the fight. So definitely you can't change it, right? If you're looking at the future, if you don't get past this present moment, this fight that you're currently fighting, what good is that future, right? You're thinking, oh, if I win, this will happen, that will happen. If you don't win, if you don't focus on what is happening, you will lose. If you lose, all of those things you're thinking about never comes to fruition, right? Yeah. If you're thinking, oh, what if I lose? Uh, what is the expectation? You have an opportunity in the present moment to change that because you're still in the middle of the fight. So instead of you thinking, what if I lose? What if I don't perform to my expectation? You have an opportunity in the present moment to change that. So for the athletes, it's always important for you to remember that execution is the king. And there's no way you execute in the future. There's no way you execute in the past. The only way you execute (laughs) is in the present moment. So always call yourself back. 
and tell yourself that future outcome that I'm thinking of, right? I need to execute to get there. Always call yourself by that. That thing I'm thinking about in the past, I can't change that, but I can execute in the present moment to ensure that I have a better outcome. Nice. Okay, really great. Um, this actually reminds me of, I listen to your podcast, of course, a lot. And Tola has an amazing podcast called Athlete Maestro, and you should definitely go listen to it. But I remember you discussed something with a coach. I don't remember who, but he mentioned, um, he mentioned an exercise where one person is sitting blindfolded and the other yeah, person is James throwing Lee. a ball in their head. Who was it? James Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, my very you good know, friend, great guy. Which mm. yeah, we tried this exercise, and it was so like so stressful to know that soon a ball will come in your face. And the exercise is that you have to just stay calm. You have to be like present in the moment, and it's so hard. But it's it's also what's happening at the fights, at the tournaments. Always something is distracting you, but you have to stay in the present moment. And I think if anyone wants to try this this exercise, they should. Um, there's also a trick where you can, like the one who's throwing the ball can rock around, run around, get yeah. close, get far, hit hard, hit not so hard, you know? Um, but yeah, I think it was a fun exercise just to practice yeah. this staying in the moment because that's what moment. matters. And just to, just to add to what you've said, Kami, you see, mm -hmm. this is like what I always tell you, you see, these are the, the, the tiny little details or the tiny things that separate athletes that achieve the results and the athletes who don't, right? So there might be someone who is hearing you saying all of these things now, and you're like, why would I want to sit down, blindfold myself, and think about somebody <laughs> throwing a ball at me and all of that, right? They would not want to do that extra thing. Basically, what athletes want to do is go to training, practice, go to the tournament, execute, and that's about it. But it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily always work that way. There are so many of these mental performance skills, right? that you can employ to help you build your focus, to help you with distractions and all of these other things, but they are extra, right? And the fact that you do them doesn't mean that you have a problem, right? It doesn't mean that you are struggling with something. The whole essence of the mental game is that you practice it even when you don't need it so that when you get to the tournament, you're not lying like, oh, what am I supposed to do at this moment, right? Yeah. You already have all the tools that you need to immediately you're confronted with a problem, you have the solution, you have something to move forward with. Just to add to what you said. Yeah, no, that is so true. And I think I, two very important things you say there were, one is that I think a lot of people think that the mental thing is, is because something is wrong with you. Like even yeah. going to the psychologist or something, people look really bad at it, but <laughs> it's just something, it's like going to the training just with your head. So I don't understand why True. you wouldn't do it. And the second thing is actually we talked about this when I I when I wanted to start the podcast I talked to you a lot because I also like you as a friend and everything, but um but then I said Tola why would I talk about all of these things because then people will know my level and then you know they will know everything about me and you said just the most amazing thing you said yeah but maybe only one percent will go and do something about it you know the other 99 will just listen and not care and just move on with their life and feel like they did something just because they listened but they didn't so that's not a problem and also the fact that i'm here means that i'm already here so that's my place now i'm only moving forward whereas they start exactly when they listen here right so mm. yeah then let me let, let me also ask you a question coming how yes. many people buy books and don't read the books but they tell people how they book. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people, because I also <laughs> did that sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, that's so true. Okay, but but uh, another thing that another question I got was about the self confidence, and um, and this was very surprising to me because this is something that athletes are dealing with from even the newcomers to the world champions. Those who are already world champions can deal with not being self confident. And I know I asked the question earlier uh, in my Instagram and you already answered a little bit, but I said, how can we learn self-confidence? But you had a really good answer that we cannot learn self-confidence, like something you can just get. But can you explain more about that? Yeah, so, so basically what I said, you know, and in, and in that I was just talking about, you know, one part or one piece, right, mm -hmm. you know, of, of self-confidence. And the fact that, yes, you don't, you don't learn 
how to be confident, you kind of earn it, right? And we looked at that, or I talked about that from the angle of competence, right? So competence being your ability to perform your sport or to play your sport or to do something in your sport, right? And of course, the confidence angle is the belief that you can do it, right? And the, the, the typical example that I shared is that if you look at your everyday activities, right? You are going to find something that you do without thinking about it, right? If you needed to tie your shoelaces, you would do it without even blinking, right? Absolutely. Because it has almost become part of you. You know how to do it so well, you don't think about it, right? You There are certain types of food that you want to cook, right? That you don't have to rack your brain. That, oh, um, how do I mix this? Which one do I put in first? Which one? You already know those things. You can do them in your sleep. So it's the same thing with sports, right? The more competent you are, right? In doing that thing, the more confident you'll be, right? And the more confident you are, the more you're going to want to improve on that thing that you already know how to do. So that's why we talk about competence, breeding confidence, and vice versa in terms of helping themselves. But you see, there are obviously different levels of this self-confidence. And one of those levels is self-efficacy. You know, and there was an episode on the podcast that I did on Conor McGregor, mm -hmm. which kind of like epitomized, right? Everything about self-efficacy. So self-efficacy is more or less like your belief in a specific task or in a specific outcome. So for example, now you want to be a world champion, right? You believe specifically. So we're not talking about you being the best in your sport. We're not talking about you being the best in your age category. We're not talking about you being the best in your country or whichever one it is. All we are talking about is the belief that I would be a world champion or mm -hmm. your belief that you will be a world champion. So it's tied specifically to a particular thing. So that's like the ultimate level of self-confidence because you can then move those things around. But when we talk about self-efficacy itself, there are also different things that give you that self-efficacy and one of them is performance accomplishments right so the previous accomplishments that you've had again we are going back to that competence and confidence angle you know i've achieved certain results in the past i can do them again right i have beaten this athlete before i can do it again i have won the gold medal before i can do it again you know so there are different levels to that as well so for you the athlete the first thing that you want to ask yourself right is what are the things or the places that I derive my self-confidence from. Because there are certain things, or there are different things, I should say, that draw self-confidence to you, right? There will be some athletes, it's very rare, but there will be some athletes where competence, right, doesn't necessarily drive their confidence up. It will make them more confident, right? But it doesn't give them supreme confidence because they can do those things. You know, so like I said with the example, of cooking a particular food or tying your shoelaces or tying your buttons or your clothes or something, right? Now you've been doing that thing for God knows how long, right? It's not like every time you tie your shoelaces, you're like, yes, I did that. Woo! Giving yourself yeah. a pat on the back, right? It's not like every time you button your shirt, you're like, wow, what an accomplishment. Because those are things you do in your sleep. But they're setting athletes, right? Who that competence is key for them. So imagine trying for three weeks, for a month, for six weeks, working on a particular facet of your game, right? And then you finally crack it. And you're finally able to do it. How excited do you think you'll be? Of course, you're going to be through the roof. Like this thing I've been working on, finally. Then you're now more confident. So what you then want to do is that you want to try it again. You want to see if that first time was a fluke, right? So you try to do it again, you achieve it. What happens? You're more confident, right? And those two continue to exchange. The competence continues to give the confidence and vice versa. So for you as the athlete, you need to find out where do I draw my confidence from? What makes me most confident? For certain athletes, it's the trust that they have in their coaches or the trust that their coaches have in them, right? So just the fact that my coach tells me, Tolap, you can be a world champion. You have all the tools to be a world champion. Like in the next three years, two years, I believe you are going to do it. Like that can shoot my confidence up to a, to a new level, right? It could also be, right, 
that I've been working with my coach since I was, what, six, seven years old. So for someone like Michael Phelps, who worked with his coach from the beginning of his career to the end, like that trust, that relationship could have been the source of his confidence, right? Because this is like a person who is like a father figure, is like a friend, just like the way you said now that aside from the athlete-coach relationship that we share, we're also friends, right? We talk about things that are not sports-related. That could be a source of confidence. So you as the athlete find out, right? Where do I derive my source of confidence from and then continually work on those things to ensure that those things get better? Nice. Make sense? Yes, it does. It does. I, I think... For some people, it can maybe be a bit hard to start, but I think you just really need to look inwards and and feel like, what is it? Because maybe you didn't even get the win yet. That for some will be the confidence, but then it can be about just the technique or like a specific part in the training that was successful. And actually, um, you you taught me that I should always evaluate my training. And, and so I always do like three good things, three good, uh, three bad things that happen. And, and forcing myself to think about the good things is a huge help because I tend to think more on the negative. But yeah, forcing myself to think instincts. on the good things. <laughs> yeah, it's because then I realized, okay, I did something good and that's that's worth it all. And, and that's where the self-confidence comes. And it can even be something Fantastic, I, exactly. I still did bad, but I did it better than yesterday. So you yeah. know, this could be an accomplishment. <laughs> um True. but okay but i see the time is passing by so fast but um uh, okay that's what happens when you have fun that's so true that's so true um i i i will go to to a question i think is uh it's very important because you say that you can lose a fight because you cannot always win it's impossible to always win it cannot happen so sometimes you will lose but you say that there are ways to lose that are okay and there are ways to lose that are definitely not okay. Can you get more into that? I mean, yes, definitely. And, you know, this is, I think this was one of the very first things that we kind of broke down and um, tried to get a hang of, you know, in the sense that, look, you're not always going to win as an athlete. It is impossible. If there's any coach that tells you you can always win or that is angry when you lose, do then that is not water? a coach that necessarily understands, right, how things work, right? Yeah. As a coach myself, when any athlete loses, right, what I want to find out is why did they lose, right? And the answers or the things that I want to hear gives me a better insight into that particular athlete and whether or not they're on the right track. You know, so I'm talking to an athlete, they just lost a fight, they just lost a race, they just lost a match, you know, and they cannot give me a specific reason, right? Why, why they lost, right? They can't tie it to anything specific. I give the athlete time, go back and watch the fights, go back and watch the match, go back and watch the race, come back. Let's see if you've been able to figure it out, right? And they still can't give me an answer. And ultimately, what we're able to decipher from what happened was that the athlete's mind just let them down. The athlete's mind just let them down. I'll give you a, a specific example. So in the UFC recently, there was a bantamweight title fight. So I think that was, that, that had been last weekend. So as a time of this recording, last weekend, right? When Juliana Pena fought Amanda Nunes for the bantamweight title in the UFC. Amanda Nunes is literally the greatest women, women's fighter of all time. Like, so they call them the GOAT, so greatest woman of all time, right? She, she was on a 12-fight winning streak. She was a double-weight world champion. Juliana Pena goes into that fight and beats her in the second round by submission. So a rare naked choke, right? When Amanda Nunez was being interviewed after the fight, right, as to why, like, you are the athlete that everybody feared. You are the athlete that everybody was afraid of, right? How is it that you lost? What made you lose? And what she said was that literally, right, Literally, she just got to the point when she literally just froze, right? She literally was just starting. There was this particular word that she used that I'm trying to remember now um, and where she said, basically, that's what she was saying. Like, she just froze. So basically, her mind just gave way. Wasn't because she didn't train hard. Wasn't because she wasn't good. 
because obviously she was a two weight world champion, right? Literally, her mind just gave up. The first way that you should never lose as an athlete, right, is never let your mind let you down, right? So that's the first way. So if you're going to lose, it should never be that your mind let you down. Never. The second way is the effort, right? So at no point in time should you lose because of a lack of effort. So you know how people are fighting or they are playing a game or a match and because it appears like the opponent is better, they literally just give up. Yeah. Because it appears like they can't come back. So maybe you're five nil down or six nil down for whatever reason. And you feel you can't come back and then you start giving 50% effort. Or maybe in the build up to the tournament, right? You had certain family issues or something just went wrong, right? And at the first bell, you give 80% effort, right? Those are the two ways as an athlete that you should never lose. Because your mind lets you down and because of a lack of effort. If you are ever going to lose, lose because your opponent was better. Lose because you made a mistake. Lose because your opponent employed better tactics than you. Because those are things that you can learn from. You can learn from your opponent being better than you. Why were they better than you? What did they do better than me? You can learn from making a mistake. Why did I make that mistake? What led to that mistake? You can lose from your opponent having better tactics. Okay, this was the tactics I came in with. This was the tactics my opponent had. What's the difference? How can I learn from my opponent's tactics? What can I pick out? How did they implement the tactics at the point they implemented the tactic, right? So basically, those are the two reasons why you should never lose. If you're going to lose, lose for those other reasons. Nice. This is so important to understand, I think. Because then you can also Make sense? evaluate your... Yeah, the, it's... It, I, I just think... For the mentality, especially, it makes sense to understand this concept because you cannot just walk on the mats and be angry. You need to understand what happened. And then if it was the bad way you lost, you need to work on that. However reason you lost, even if in the good way, you need to work on that. So it's kind of like saying you cannot lose the fight just only if you really lose it in the in the bad way, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, that's it. That's it. Okay. Um Thank you for clarifying this. But uh, I also want to talk to you about analyzing because you always say that uh, be a student of your sport. You need to understand what's going on in your sport. You, you, you need to have like a textbook. You need to be able to say on page 13, when this happened, I can do this and this and this. But um, in the beginning, it was very hard for me to underst not understand this. I mean, I understood the concept, but... I couldn't understand what was going on in the fights. I could look at a fight, but it would be like looking at nothing because I can just see the fight. But I don't. I didn't understand why. Uh, why is this person doing this at this specific time and place? And why this and not this? And how do they implement their tactics and and let the other person play their game because they are manipulating them into doing so? So how do you learn to get to that level of analyzing? I think basically it's all about first and foremost, right? It's about understanding the level that you are as an athlete, right? I think that for so many young athletes, right? We always want to fast track the process, you know? And I mean, this is, this is no knock on any athlete. Like we want to get to the promised land faster. Nobody's going to say, I want to get to the promised land and I want it to take me five years or I want it to take me six years or I want it to be slow. No, no, nobody ever really says that, right? We want to get to the promised land as fast as possible. So I think that that is also the problem when it comes to athletes analyzing the sports, analyzing the game and becoming students of your sport. And the first thing, right, that you do as an athlete is starts with the point where you just watch, right? We always want to get to the point where we're starting to pick out things as fast as possible. Think, think about it like learning a new language, right? You want to listen to a new language today and you want to get everything that everybody's saying, right? So you're listening to a conversation in the language you're trying to learn, and immediately you want to know, this is what these guys are saying, right? That's not how you do it. 
the first thing that you do is just listen. You're not trying to pick out any languages. You're not trying to pick out any words. You're not trying to understand what they're saying. You're just listening, right? So first, let me listen, right? This next step from just listening is watching. now let me see if what? Watching, not listening. Or? Yeah, I was using the I was using the language example. So for obviously <laughs> ah, for the spot okay, part okay, is watching, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so for the spot part is watching. So the first thing you want to do is you know just watch, right? Or if we're using a language example, just listen to one side, right? So if you are watching, for example, maybe like point fighting or a combat sport, just watch one particular athlete, right? He throws the jab this way, he throws the kick this way, throws the jab at this particular point in time. Don't worry about what the other athlete is doing, right? Just focus on one athlete for now, right? That's mm -hmm. your focus. So now you've gotten used to watching. You've now gotten used to watching one of the athletes, right? The next thing you want to do now is now switch to the other athletes. Remember that what you're doing at this point is you're acclimatizing yourself with studying your sports, right? You're trying to read a textbook. So maybe... Um, whatever course it is that you're studying, right? You're trying to read a particular textbook, right? Even if you don't understand initially what is in that textbook, you don't just close the textbook and go, right? You're just going to read for the sake of reading. Let me just read it first. So that's what you might call maybe like a first draft or a first read. So after you have read the first time, then you now go back to the beginning, right? And then you start looking for the specifics. You start looking for those little things, right? It's the same thing here. So you watch first. Then you watch one particular athlete. Then you watch the second athlete. By the time you get to that point, you would have been acclimatized with watching both athletes at the same time. And you can decipher that when this this punch, this is how this guy reacts, right? And this guy reacts that way because he's trying to set up his own shot, which is maybe a kick or something. So always start with the most basic level before you then start to advance, right? Because you will see athletes, right? When they want to start watching tape or they want to start, you know, they already have their pen, they already have their book, you know, and I'm like, take it easy, right? Just watch first, right? Yeah. If, you are, if you are one of those athletes who you learn really fast, right? You grasp things really fast, then fine, by all means. And that's when you get to the level of intelligence or you have the intelligence to learn faster than others. So the tape that you would watch in one hour would take other athletes five hours to watch. That's not a problem. But the point is that at least you have started from the most basic level, which is just watching, and then you gradually advance. Mm -hmm. And can I just ask uh, a technical question then? Because is it, um, so I spend the first 15 minutes watching the fight and then I rewatch it and I look at one, I rewatch it, look at the other. Or is it like I spend one month on just looking at fights and then the next month I can maybe start looking at one athlete? But this, will, this will be specific to each athlete in terms of how fast you are able to grasp that mm -hmm. particular session, right? Okay. So if you're the athlete, like I said, you know, you have superior intelligence or you're very intelligent, you might only need 10 minutes of watching mm -hmm. okay. where you have already started picking out things, right? So for that type of athlete, you move quickly from just watching to now looking at one of the athletes. Then you move quickly from just watching one athlete to then watching the other athlete. And then you move quickly from watching all of those sequences together to then see how you're picking out all of those. So it would depend on each specific athlete. If it would mm -hmm. take you one day to just watch, it would take you one day. Yeah. You cannot say that because it takes Kami five minutes from watching To understanding, then it should take me five minutes. That's not how intelligence works, right? And intelligence is intelligence is like height, right? That's the perfect example I can use. You have people that are taller than others. So the fact that somebody is tall and can stretch to get a particular thing, it doesn't mean that because you are short, you cannot get that particular thing. What it means is that you have to get a stool, yeah. or you have to get a chair, or you have to get a ladder where you would climb And then you would get that thing, right? That's how intelligence plays out. So because it would take Kami five minutes, right? To understand this thing doesn't mean that it should take you five minutes. So it would depend on each athlete. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm just asking because it took me actually a very long time. And it was very fun for me because 
this is the sport I love to do. I go to training, I don't know, eight times a week or something. And I do this thing, but looking at it for 10 minutes, that was a struggle in the beginning. Like, and <laughs> it felt like looking, looking at nothing because, you know, it was boring because I didn't understand what was going on. So that was, that was the first struggle and that took some time, but now it's, it's mm. easier. So what do, what do you think, um, what do you think typical athletes in your position would have done because they were bored because they weren't getting it, because it was boring, then they would not have done it. And yeah, then yeah, they will continue going to training. They're not studying their sports. And then they wonder why they're not improving. So more or less like the cycle continues. Just because yeah. something is boring, just because you weren't initially getting that thing, you pack up shop and you're like, boom, not doing that again. But then again, you don't see the results and you don't improve. And remember, all we are talking about here is just studying right? Mm -hmm. We still get to the point where you now note each of those specific techniques and their applications in the particular situations where you now build your vocabulary of tactics, techniques, and skills. Yeah, this is so cool. I think we could do like a complete episode about this. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, and and, uh, so maybe just a quick advice. What I did was just to say, I will watch one fight every day or I will watch 10 Mm. minutes every day and slowly I would become more and more. It would be easier. Exactly. And then close to tournaments, I would force myself to look at at least three to five fights from each of my opponents. So then it's like progressing faster and faster. Um, But yeah. Exactly. Okay, thank you for clarifying this. Um, okay, so another question I got also from uh, Instagram is um, self-discipline is super important for any athlete. So how do you learn self-discipline? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to ask you how do you learn because I know your answer would be like... That's, that's, a, that, that, that's a key question. But, you know, discipline by design is something that literally you just do. You know, I, I think for, for a lot of athletes and even for a lot of people, right, we, we want to be coddled in certain situations in the sense that we always want to be told what to do and when to do those things, right? So sleep at this time. Um, don't eat this type of foods. Don't do this particular thing. We always want to be, you know, told those things. But the truth is there are certain things, right, that you just don't make excuses for and you just do them. One of them is self-discipline. So doing what you said you should do or what you are supposed to do irrespective of the mood that you're currently on. So you know you're supposed to work out, right? Not making any excuses. You're not saying, oh, um, um, I closed from work too late or you know, the drive from work to the gym is long or because I didn't eat well in the morning, you don't make any excuses. You have said that you are going to train. You said you are going to practice. You said you do those things. And one of the things that I feel affects athletes the most in this department is their habits, right? Your habits must support the things that you want to do to aid the discipline that you have. So you you want to start eating healthy, for example, but every time you open your fridge, it's full of processed food, it's full of junk food, it's full of booze, right? Your habit is not making it easy for you to be disciplined because every time you open your fridge, that's what you're seeing. So the first leg of discipline is that you just do those things. You just do them, no excuse. I, I said this um, so many times, right? So the podcast Athlete Maestro has over 700 episodes. It is not every time that I sat down to record, that I felt like recording, right? But because my self-discipline is so high, I know that there will be three episodes every single week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I don't care what is happening, even when I was sick. So this past week, for example, I've been ill and I haven't been feeling my best, right? The episodes will still air. The episodes will still be there because of my discipline. So the first part is you just do those things. Second part is you work on your habits and you allow your habits support that your discipline. Nice. I just have to ask: Did you record the episodes while sounding like, like I don't, I, you know, you sent me the voice, but like, uh. yeah. So I, I, I waited, I waited till the night before to record. So if you listen to this Monday's episode, you're going to hear it a little bit. 
okay okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but you know there was also a game changer for me when you told me um you told me you don't need to be motivated or you are now at a level where motivation can no longer be a factor because if you can only do your training or if you will only do your training when you're motivated you will not make it because you will not feel motivated maybe half of the time maybe maybe 20% of the time you have to just do it motivation is no longer a factor and that was uh, that was a really good advice for me exactly yeah exactly very true yeah um mm, 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 mm. you know everything you can find on my page is just a replication of everything i learned from you <laughs> <laughs> i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> oh, that's so cool so if you like my so stuff, i had i had, I had um so I was, i was watching your i was watching, I, I was checking your instagram feed and i saw something you did on um on being coachable and i saw the comments that um um that someone Yom made uh, so i forgot his yes. name i don't know if it's coach kelly or something yeah that he made where you know he was kind of talking about um the 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 athlete taking responsibility and all of mm-hmm. that you know so he, he makes a great points you know which i agree with but just as a way to clarify and kind of like segment those two things right so when we are talking about and of course this is this is this is my opinion so everybody can have yeah, yeah. you know a different opinion when you're talking about coachability right we are not talking necessarily about you surrendering everything to your coach right yeah. we are talking about when there is a gap when there is something that you are not knowledgeable on when there is a specific thing that you're working on because you know one of the things that we talked about when it comes to deliberate practice is that you need that feedback from someone who is in a vantage position right so yeah. you can't necessarily give yourself feedback so that feedback will come from a coach who has third person perspective so i agree with him that you know yes as an athlete you take responsibility right you should be able to make changes during a fight during a game during a race or whichever one it is because your knowledge of the game so this also stems from being a student of your sport So your knowledge of the game has gotten to a point where you can implement and interchange tactics at will. But when we're talking about coachability, we're talking about the point when your knowledge is not at that level yet. Are you calm enough? Are you submissive enough to listen to your coach and be coached on that situation, mm-hmm. right? On yeah. that particular situation. Not you saying as the athlete, I know it all. You know, I've been playing my sport for 10 years. There's nothing you can tell me as a coach. So just to kind of like make that distinguishing factor in those two things that look, when it comes to executing, yes, you as an athlete, you take possession, you take ownership of that thing to be able to implement. You don't want coaches shouting on the sidelines, right? Oh, do this, do that. Do All you want to do is that you want the coach to be encouraging. Totally agree with that. But just to kind of like distinguish, does that, does that yeah. make any sense? yeah 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 definitely definitely i and i i, I think it's uh i i think it's really good points but i also think actually it's two different scenarios right about if you're not coachable and you know working with your coach together and yeah yeah okay you just said it but exactly yeah. so that just 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 distinguishing it and breaking yeah. up a bit yeah 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 but i will actually have him on the podcast um next Fantastic. week because i i really liked his view on this and and uh, i think also the coach's point of view is very important uh for the athlete to know about what what do they look at what uh, what you know what what advice would a coach give to you um mm. because maybe you are in a situation where okay now it's not a team sport but if you are not getting picked or if you are not you know fighting in the big leagues or something um And your coach is not necessarily giving you advice on how to get there, just only seeing what you're doing in practice and what you're not doing. And so, yeah. Mm. But we will talk more about that next time. Um, Okay, Tola, as I said, uh, the time is going so fast, but I have to ask you one question because on your podcast, you always ask your guests guests this question. And I know now you know the question, but uh, (laughs) because we had to redo this episode. Um, But but so I have to ask you, um, what is one thing you should do right now as an athlete uh, if you want to be like a master of the sport? If you want to be a world champion or something. 
Yeah, yeah. You just so so just one thing, and that one thing is focus on the fundamentals. You know, I feel like there there's so many athletes who believe that all these elite athletes, right? They, they they do something extraordinary, right? They do something magical. They do something out of this world, like something that you know you you can't you the ordinary athlete cannot grasp. You know, so so I had um, Gannon Baker on the podcast, and Gannon is a physical performance trainer. So this is a guy who has worked with the who is who in basketball. He has had the opportunity to work with your your Kyrie Irvings you know, Kobe Bryant, even I think at some point, LeBron James. So these big guys, right? So I asked him on the podcast and I said, is there anything special that these guys do? And it's like, no. <laughs> the same thing that you, the, um, what you, the beginner athlete can do is the same thing they do. So the footwork, right? The throwing, the most basic thing. So if you're looking for the f- one thing that you can start now, right, on your goal to becoming a world champion, being a master of your sport, and all of that starts with the fundamentals. What are the fundamentals of your sport? Start with that. Stop looking for all these extraordinary things. When you have the fundamentals locked down, you can do all these other things. Nice. This is great advice. Because sometimes I see, like, people throwing, I don't know, tornado kicks or something, and I just think... You're just giving yeah. you more time to attack you because now you're also putting a spin into the picture. So, you know, <laughs> instead of just going exactly. directly, like. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, I love this advice. Thank you so much. Um, do you have anything you want to add? Something you feel like we didn't talk about, which is uh, important to um, know? I think we covered a lot and I would actually want the athletes to implement some of the things that we talked about first. Mm. before they then look for more because you see athletes who you haven't implemented some things you want more right yeah. so give me more give me more don't worry i'll implement it give me more you end up never implementing anything right mm. so yes. let them implement the things that we've talked about first and then of course if there's need we come back talk about more things more tactics more skills nice and maybe even implement just one thing that would be a huge success like the one that resonates the most with you go and implement it just small steps exactly we'll get there yeah so nice thank you so much okay can you give yourself like a huge shout out where can people find you can they contact you where can they contact you all of this um so i am i'm not on instagram as as much as i want to be i need to get back to that you know okay but he's on instagram you can go on instagram he's there (laughs) (laughs) yeah so you can follow me on instagram at tola so that's t-o-l-a-o-g-u-n-l-e-w-e or you can check out the podcast athletemaestro.com check out all the things that we have going on there well of course like i said at the beginning you would learn how to master the mental the physical and the business aspects of sports yes and so you're not so much on instagram do you need a social media manager ah yeah you sent me that before right (laughs) yeah that's a good one i can take care of that for you yeah and also i need a job so let me know (laughs) (laughs) that's it that's a good one (laughs) okay this has been nice nice catching up nice talking about so many of all these things yes yes um thank you so much everyone who listened go and check tola out he's doing amazing work for athletes and yeah thank you so much tola the athlete coach relationship that we share we're also friends right we talk about things mm. that are not sports related that could be a source of confidence so you as the athlete find out right where do i derive my source of confidence from and then continually work on those things to ensure that those things get better nice make sense yes it does it does i i think for some people it can maybe be a bit hard to start but i think you just really need to look inwards and and feel like what is it 
because maybe you didn't even get the win yet that for some will be the confidence but then it can be about just the technique or like a specific part in the training that was successful and actually um you you taught me that i should always evaluate my training and and so i always do like three good things three good uh, three bad things that happen and and forcing myself to think about the good things is a huge help because i tend to think more on the negative but yeah, forcing myself human to think instincts. on the good things <laughs> yeah it's because then i realize okay i did something good and that's that's worth it all and and that's where the self confidence comes and it can even be something Fantastic. i exactly. i still did bad but i did it better than yesterday so you yeah. know this could be an accomplishment <laughs> um True. but okay but i see the time is passing by so fast but um okay i hope you liked it thank you so much for listening it's making me so happy that you are here that you finished it that means a lot to me uh, i would love to hear your opinion you can also share it with tola on his instagram um just let me know what you think about the episode and if you learned something what you took action on tell me i'm super curious and anything else i want to add hmm i don't think so no i'm fine okay see you i wish you a great day i wish you a great whatever you're doing right now i truly wish the best for you i believe in you i believe that you can do what you want to achieve with your life so I wish you all the best. Enjoy your day. It will be a beautiful day. This day will be beautiful. I'm telling you this right now. We are deciding that this day will be beautiful. So go and enjoy your day.